Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, download the Overflow Church app or visit our website at overflowdfw.com. So John chapter 17, verse 20. I am not praying for only these disciples, the ones that were with him, but also for those that will ever believe in me through their message. Everybody say, he's praying for me. So this is what Jesus is praying for you. Look at your neighbor and say, Jesus is praying for you. Look at your other neighbor and say, he's still praying for you. So Jesus is still praying. That's what it says in Romans chapter 8, that Jesus is still making intercession for us. Jesus is the perfect intercessor, right? First, right, right? He, he represented God to man when he came on the earth, and now he is representing man to God on behalf of us. So here it is. I pray, are you ready, that they may be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you. You know, one of the things that we have a hard time talking about is the doctrine of the Trinity. And we talked a little bit about that uh, in week one, and you can go back and listen to that. But Jesus and the Father are on the same page, right? In fact, so so much on the, on the same page that we have a hard time wrapping our brain around it. He is saying that we, praying that we would have that same kind of unity. That's ridiculous, right? As you are in me, Father, and I am in you, that kind of unity. How many of you know that's perfect unity? And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave to me so that they may be one even as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. And may they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. How many know that God the Father loves you as much as he loves Jesus? Now, wait, I think you missed that. God the Father loves you as much as he loves his son Jesus. Perfect Jesus, God loves you as much as Jesus. Now, that'll mess your plans up. That'll mess, that messes everything up. That will mess with your mind. God perfectly loves you. That's a good word right there. Right here. Not what I'm saying, but what the scriptures say. That the world will know that you sent me and that you will love them as much as you love me. That they would know that. That's Jesus' heart for you. Is that you would know that he loves you. This is the Father's heart. That he loves you as much as he loves Jesus. That's hard to believe. Lord, give us faith to believe it. That's why it says in Ephesians, together with all the saints, to understand how deep his love is. Can, you, can I tell you today that we can only understand the depths and the riches of God's love as willing as we're... As, as much as we're willing to lend ourselves to be unified to receive that, that we'll only have the capacity to understand that to the capacity in which we're willing to be unified. That's why Paul prayed that. 
together with all the saints to grasp how deep and wide and long and high is the love of Christ. That we would know. How do we know that? How do we know how much Jesus loves us? Well, we know because the scripture says, but we also know by being in unity. Father, I want these whom you have given me to be with me where I am. Then they can see the glory you gave me because you love me even before the world began. Oh, righteous Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do. And these disciples know you sent me. And I have revealed you to them, and I will continue to do so. Then your love for me will be in them, and I will be in them. You know, one of the things that we have about the life of Jesus is Jesus had no theology for unanswered prayers. We've, we've built theology around unanswered prayers, haven't we? But do you know that Jesus didn't experience unanswered prayers? Did you know that the disciples didn't experience unanswered prayers? It's interesting how we develop all these theories and these theologies around prayers that don't get answered. Well, why don't our prayers get answered? Right? We spend the rest of our life wondering, frustrated, intention, mad at God because our prayers didn't get answered. Right? For some reason, we spend more time reasoning, arguing, and theologizing, (laughs) for lack of a better word, for unanswered prayer. There's one prayer that Jesus makes that might or might not be answered. That's the one that we just read right here. See, we get the incredible opportunity. Friends, we get the incredible opportunity to answer what God prayed for. Lord, that they would be one. Who decides if we're one or not? We do. Lord, that they would be one. Father, that they would be one even as we're one. And then he's looking at us and he's saying, will you answer my prayer? Will you be one? Will the body come together and will they be a body? See, the reason why Jesus prayed this is because unity is incredibly powerful. It's incredibly powerful. Check this out. These are some realities concerning unity. Number one, Jesus gives glory for unity. Glory means he puts his weight on it. It's, it's manifest presence. On it. He gives you that. Part of the reason why you experience the glory of the Lord is so that you can be unified with the body. That's what he says. I have given them the glory you gave me so that they may be one even as we're one. So part of the glory that rests on our life is so that we can be one. So we can change the world. So we can be one. When we're one, we'll change the world. But as long as we're divided, no change will take place. Because there's power in unity. Can I tell you today that God is not withholding glory. He wants it in us. The problem is, is we're not functioning in the glory. If we're functioning in the glory, we'll be in unity. That's what the glory is for. God is most glorified when we are unified. Come on. You'll remember that. God is most glorified when we are unified. Number two, unity is a non-negotiable. Now, I've lived my life for Jesus for most of my life now. Okay? I've been living for Jesus almost 23 years. Right? So, what I've seen is most of the time, in, the, in that time, unity has not been a big deal to me. I've just been like, 
Yeah, it's important. Man, we need to get together. The body of Christ needs to get We need to have community together. We need to be in relationship with another. Yeah, that's, that's important. Can I tell you today that unity is a non-negotiable? It's a priority to God. It's a priority enough that Jesus would pray that we would do it. If it's a priority for God, it should be a priority for me. We've kind of put it on the back burner, right? Our relationship with God, our, 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 our finances, our family, all this kind of stuff, and all those things are important. And then we kind of go and be connected with the body of Christ. We haven't made it as much of a priority. I feel like we should, based upon what Jesus prayed. Apparently, it's a big deal, or Jesus wouldn't have prayed for it. And not just once. I mean, he's like, Lord, that they be one, that they would be one, that they would be one. I mean, read it. It's like redundant. He's not like, Lord, I pray, and I pray that they be one. Yeah, check. Let's move on to the next prayer request. No, he's like, Father, you've given them glory to do this. You've given them glory to be together. Make them one just like we're one, that they would know our love. That they'd be together on this thing. Check this out. Listen, if, if it's not a secondary issue for Jesus, then it shouldn't be a secondary issue for us. If it's something that Jesus prayed for, and Jesus did, then we should do that. We're followers of Jesus. I want to answer his prayer. I want to answer the prayers of Jesus. Do you want to answer the prayers of Jesus? Ephesians 4. Some keys here in Ephesians 4. Always be humble and gentle. Oh, Always means all. In the Greek, if you study that word always, it means all the time. (laughs) Not every now and again. (laughs) Always. Let's just kind of mark out the word always. Be humble and gentle. Okay. Or once in a while. That's a hard one. Humble and gentle. Be patient with one another, each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you love someone, you're willing to kind of, you know, put up with it, right? Make every effort. If you study that word every in the Greek, it means every. Make every effort. Make every effort, every, every effort, every effort to keep yourself united in the spirit. Uh, You know, we're going to work on it a little bit. We're going to, you know, kind of do some classes. We're going to, you know, we're just going to work on our relationship. Make every effort. (laughs) I mean, that's like a big deal. Make every effort. Don't make some effort. Make every effort. Not partial effort. Every effort. Every, every effort. Make every effort to keep yourself united in the spirit, building yourselves together with peace. For there is one body. How many? What bodies? One. We're like a section of the body. Overflows a section of the body of Christ. Or part of the body. You're a part of the body if you're in Jesus. One body. One spirit. Just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord. One faith. One baptism. And one God the Father who is over all and in all, living through all. There is only one church. Only one. Number three. There's an incredible 
ability of unity. And check this out. Psalm 133, probably the my favorite scripture on unity in the Old Testament, says this. How good and pleasant. Now, when the Bible calls something good and pleasant, it's true. It's good. Yes, it's good. Because sometimes we think things are, yeah, God's good, but he's not very pleasant. Well, God, all God's gifts are good, but it's not very pleasant. I know that God gave it to me, and I know it's good because the Bible says so, and because everything God creates is good. But it's not very pleasant, right? But this is saying, no, 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 Every, how good and pleasant, how good and pleasurable, how enjoyable it is when brothers live together in unity. It says this, it's like precious oil being poured down the head. Now, I've never had oil poured down my head. I've had some oil smeared on my head by preachers before, and, you know, it didn't feel too good. But I bet if they poured oil on my head, it would probably have felt better. If they just poured it, and it's just like in the shower, but oil. Now, I can't imagine, like, getting the soap and trying to get all that stuff off, but apparently it's pleasurable. (laughs) We should try it. (laughs) <laughs> I'll take it. And there's a lot more in there about the anointing, but it's like precious oil being poured on the head, running down the beard. Oh, I don't have a beard, but I dream of one day and I'm believing the Lord. Father, we'll be unified, Lord, and beards. Sorry. It's like oil being poured down the head, running down the beard, dripping off the beard, running down on Aaron's beard. It's two beard references. Noah, two. Two beard references. Down the collar of his robes. Listen, it's as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. For there the Lord bestows, everybody say commands. That's what bestows means. It means God says, be blessed. God bestows it. He's like, I command it to be blessed. God commands his blessing. Even life forevermore. So it says that unity does this. First of all, it says it brings the oil. We've talked a little bit about oil, but really what it's talking about is talking about the the smoothness, right? We, oil lubricates, right? It has a, a smoothness to it. It makes the flow better, if you're with me. But also oil is the is speaking of the anointing. It's speaking of the favor. It's speaking of, of God selecting and God choosing and God desiring. That's what the anointing speaks of. It speaks of the Holy Spirit. The oil. The second thing is the dew of Hermon. Now you got to understand something. It says the Dew of Hermon and Mount Zion. Now, these places are 100 miles apart. So you got Mount Zion, which is like desert mountains. How, when's the last time you've been to a desert mountain? Oh, yeah, never. You live in Dallas. But if you know anything about a desert mountain that don't have any trees on it, it don't get any dew. There's no dew on desert mountains. But Mount Hermon, Hermon, is lush, beautiful, fruitful, gorgeous, green, pleasant, bushy green goodness. And you wake up and there's like 40 gallons of dew on the tree. That's Mount Hermon. Mount Zion is dry to the bone. Bone desert dry. Dead things go there to die. Right? It's the desert. It's deserted. It's deserted of green things. No dew in the desert here. But it says it says the dew of Mount Hermon, like like the best dew on the dry places. What is that saying? That's talking about refreshing. 
You know, there's nothing more refreshing than when somebody's with you. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's one thing to go through something and have a difficulty, but you know, when you have someone to go through it with you, isn't it just a little bit better when you have someone to go through the crud with you, whenever you have someone to go along with you, isn't it more pleasurable to experience the good and the bad when somebody's with you? It's refreshing. It's refreshing that I can call you up and say, man, I'm going through this, and you could be like, I don't really understand, but I'm with you. You were never meant to do life alone. It's dry. It's deserted. It's where dead things go to die. It's the desert. But when we're in unity with the body of Christ, it provides an atmosphere for the dew of Hermon, the lush, heavenly, blessing, refreshing water to come and pour over where life couldn't be before. Now life can happen. The refreshing. Why? Because of unity. Just because you're well connected to the body of Christ. It's, irra- it's irrational. This is irrational to think the Dew of Hermon would travel 100 miles to land on Mount Zion. That's irrational. Listen, when you're united with the body of Christ, you will go through the darkest season of your life. And it took me going through that. The darkest season of my life to realize how important unity was. But once I got in that unity, it was so refreshing. It's like, thank you, God, that I don't have to deal with this alone but I have people that can champion with me, that can go with me. It brings irrational, seemingly impossible, refreshing. And the third thing it brings is God's commanded blessing. This is why we see over and over in Scripture, in scripture about people getting together and God blessing it. We call this synergy, God's commanded blessing, right? You guys know synergy, I can lift... 100 pounds. Nathan over here can lift 900 pounds. Together we can lift 1,800 pounds, right? So we can lift more together than we could as single object synergy. What is that? That's a law that God put into place to say, listen, when you come together, you're better. Better than two individuals. You're together as one. It's like you're three. Synergy. Because God looks at it and he goes, it's got to be blessed. Blessed. When God says it, that settles it, right? It's blessed. When you come together, God blesses it. That's why you come to church and like you've had a rough week and you get together with with, with your brothers and sisters and you're like, I just feel better being here. Why? Because God commands his blessing on unity. Even when, even when the purpose isn't right. We'll talk about that in a minute. So answering the prayers of Jesus, growing in unity, how would we do that? How do we do that? How do we grow in unity? Because we do want to, how many of y'all want to answer the prayer of Jesus? Come on. (laughs) I want to be unified. I want to be together. I want to answer the Lord's prayer. The first way we do that is by loving and honoring one another. Loving and honoring one another. By this, all men will know, John 13, 35, that you are my disciples If you love one another, love one another. It doesn't say that the world will know you, you're my disciples, if you love the world. It says if you love one another. See, the the thing is, is I'm convinced that the spirit of comparison, uh, comparison and criticism has robbed the church of her power. Because what we've done is we've come in and we've got critical with one another. We don't love one another. We compare to one another. 
We're not together on the same page. We go, well, that person did this, and I'm doing this, and, and I'm better. Right? My thinking is better. And what we've done in doing that is we've robbed the church of her power by the spirit of comparison, by the spirit of criticism. It doesn't say this. Listen, by this, all men will you know, you will, you, you will know you're my disciples if you write an open letter correcting something the church does bad. Facebook, how screwed up the American church is. Facebook, how fake Christians are. That's how the world will know. Nuh-uh. And I, this is mostly what we see with believers. Talking about the church, most of it's negative. Believers, we're not even talking about the world. We're, we're, we're just talking about inside the church. What do we do? Well, Christians need to do that. Christians need to do that. All this criticism robs us of our power to be who we are. It doesn't, listen, is some of the criticism real? Yes. Is some of the pain real? Absolutely. In fact, we really have a heart, Leslie and I do, because we've been, we've been wounded. If I went around the room, if I said right now, how many of y'all been wounded by the church? Every hand would go up. The church is flawed. Absolutely. But it's not about the church. It's, it's not about the bride. It's about the bridegroom. It's that we serve a perfect groom, that he loves us perfectly, and that's where our focus is. Our focus isn't on our issues. How unattractive is it if my wife comes to me and she's like, I'm just so ugly. I'm so mad, mad, mad. somebody love me. And if I would do this better, and if I, that's what the church does every day. I'll tell you what, I'm so sick of it. I am so sick of open letters and blogs and podcasts and stuff ripping the church. I'm like, I am the church and, you, and you're claiming to be the church. Why are you talking bad about yourself? Because we're just one. We're just one. We're not 45 different churches. One church. I tell you, I don't want to hear, you know, we don't do that here. We don't come and we don't complain about, uh, we don't complain about other ministries. We don't come in here and we don't complain about Joel Osteen and what we don't think about the way he's preaching or some other preacher on TV. We don't do that here. In fact, if, if somebody comes up to you and they're complaining about another preacher and how he's off and we don't, you just say, we, we don't do that here. Let's pray for him right now. Why don't you do that? Come on. We don't do that here. So when I do it, <laughs> come on. Because I'm prone to do that sometimes. Calling people out. We're supposed to be a follower. That the church would. We don't do that here. We don't do that here. We don't do that here. Because we love. We believe that there is one hope for the world. You say, yeah, Jesus. No, the church. The church is the hope of the world. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world as long as I'm with you. But when I'm going away, you're the light of the world. Well, we've got some some cleaning up to do. You've got some focusing to do. And quit focusing on the weaknesses of your brothers and sisters and start focusing on the pure garment of the righteousness of Jesus. So we don't do that here. Too much energy on the interweb is focused on what is wrong with the body. I said interweb. That was I was, there was a cue for you to laugh, but you didn't. So, you know, it's like we kind of treat people that we disagree with like that crazy uncle, right? Come on. Well, well, you don't understand what I've been through. Can I, hey, we've been through some stuff. We've been hurt. We've been wounded by churches, by leaders, all that kind of stuff. We've done that. But you know what? Jesus loves his church. And he's not, and, and I'm not making light of the wounds. And Jesus wants to heal that. We would love to be a part of that process if you have been wounded by the church. We want to be part of that process because we want the church to have a good reputation. We want the church to love one another.
Y'all okay? Um, Check this out. Ephesians 5, it's talking about husbands and wives, and then he shifts gears. He says this, to present her to himself as a radiant church. If Jesus calls us a radiant church, what are we saying we're not radiant for? Without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. The focus is Jesus. Should we be blameless? Yes. Should we be spotless? Yes. Should we be we without wrinkle? I really believe the wrinkle in the body of Christ right now is that we just can't get over our issues. We're so focused, inward focused on, oh, we need to fix this, and the world doesn't like us because of this. And the world really doesn't have as much criticism as you think. Most of the criticism is coming from the church. If we would love one another, and people would look at it and go, they love one another. They're not talking bad about one another. They're not gropping about the color of the carpet. They're not bickering all the time. They're a good example. They represent Jesus. They love one another. They're there for one another's needs. They raise their kids together. That is attractive because the world don't have real community. Well, the church don't either. How do you know? Because you're not in it. You're on the outside point and looking in. You're talking bad about yourself. It's what you're doing when you do that. Okay. If you claim Jesus. Again, I know the church has a lot of pain, has caused a lot of pain, a lot of chrism, all those kind of things. But I really believe the wrinkle. uh, I heard this um, illustration the other day from from a friend of mine. He was talking about expensive clothes. And he said, you know, one of the ways that you know about expensive clothes is if you grab it like that and you let go, it won't wrinkle. But cheap clothes, they'll wrinkle if you do that. They'll be like kind of like messed up. But expensive clothes, they don't wrinkle easy. Can I tell you that we're an expensive church? And I'm not talking about money. But Jesus paid a very, 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 very high price for us. And he wants us to be without wrinkle, without spot. But he, listen, he wants to be the priority, not sitting around trying to correct everyone. I'm so sick and tired of the internet and like people just complaining and complaining and complaining about the body of Christ. I'm like, the body of Christ is far from perfect. We know that. But can I tell you today that we are still the hope of the world and that isn't going away. Our light isn't out. So let's love one another. Let's love one another. Let's quit being criticizing all the time. Let's quit comparing. Let's just love one another. So number two is being together. So loving one another, honoring one another. That's another thing. We honor with our words. Come on. Number two is about being together. You know, unity flows from community. In fact, community means common unity. The word that that is in the Greek is koinia. And that that means the sharing of life uh, together. Colossians chapter 3 says this, let the word of Christ dwell. Dwell means live, by the way. Let the word of Christ live in you richly. Not just, oh, I memorized my scripture verse. No, no, let the word of Christ live in you. The living active word living in you. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as, as. So you have the dwell. That's like you can get together. Like we can get together and just hang out. Christian, we can just hang out and we leave encouraged. Why? Because the word of Christ is dwelling in us richly. It's like when we do community group at our house, people are like, is it like a Bible study? They show up with their Bible and like their things are right on. They're like, no, we're just hanging out. Like, well, that's kind of weird. People are always freaked out. That's kind of weird. You got to do a Bible study. Because we know the word of Christ is in us and it's dwelling. He says, and then teach and admonish one another. That doesn't mean we're not anti-Bible study. We should do Bible studies. Absolutely. 
but teach and admonish one another with all wisdom as you sing songs, as you get together and you sing together and you sing hymns. We don't sing much hymns. And spiritual songs with gratitudes, with gratitude in your hearts to God. By being together, together, being together, worshiping together, praying together, getting in the word together, growing together, laughing together, crying together, struggling together, falling together, getting picked back up together, dealing with the tension of life together because we understand that we're better together and God wants us to be together. I mean, you know, there's no white church, no black church, no Mexican church, no Asian church, Korean church, none of that. There's one church, one, just one. We might all have our different little slant on how we like to express it, and I think that's okay, but there's really only one church. And the third way that we, are you all all right today? The third way that we grow in unity is we accomplish together. We win together. You know, going through difficulties and hardships will create a good bond. But can I tell you today that winning together creates a good bond too? (laughs) I don't know about you, but I would way rather win than lose. Anybody with me? (laughs) Come on. And so when we accomplish things together, when we do things together, that's why like serving at church is so important because you're accomplishing something together. It's one of the greatest ways to build community. I've seen this most of my life. People that get in, they, they serve, they benefit the most. They're the happiest when they're at church. They're complaining the least, all that kind of stuff. Why? Because they're doing something. It's theirs. They own it. We accomplish together. It creates unity. It also sustains it and increases it. We rejoice together. You know, we, we do a community group at our house. We do a, a thing that we do called celebrations. And used to, we'd have like two celebrations and like 45 prayer requests. <laughs> oh, Lord, another prayer. Oh, my God, that's a running note on my phone, you know, that I'm going through three weeks from now and I'm like reading this thing and now it's like we get together for community group and we spend like an hour doing celebrations it's like whoa check this out and this happened and then we're like oh my gosh we gotta pray <laughs> right because what we're doing we're just praising the Lord we're just honoring God for all that he's done all the prayers that he's answering man when we accomplish things together it makes us one it, we're a family we're just family does family fight yeah does family have tension yeah come on does family bruise one another's eyes? Yeah, absolutely. But when your family you're in, you can't get out. We're together. Your family. I know you might not want to claim your family, but we're your family. Huh? We're that crazy uncle. No, no, Pastor Josh, you the crazy uncle. Okay, I'll be that. Whatever, whatever I got to be. What could we do if we were on the same page? What could we do if we were together? Check this out. Genesis eleven six. Look, he said. God. I don't think God said look like that. Look. Look. The people are united and they all speak the same language. After this, nothing they do will be impossible for them. He's talking about the the Tower of Babel. Right? They're doing an unholy thing. And God says they're speaking, they're, they're unified. See, God created this law called synergy. Before that, he said they're unified, they're doing something evil, they'll be able to reach heaven with this weird tower that they're building. How does that even work? I don't know. But God said that they could do it because they were speaking the same language, because they were unified. 
So God said, I better do something to stop this. So I'll go mess up their language. Excuse me. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> well. <laughs> okay. Uh, how embarrassing. Okay. Hmm. What can we do? You mess up their language. What can we do if we share common goal? What if we were speaking the same language for something that God wants to bless? What if we all encountered the reality of Jesus and we were all working together to see other people encounter the reality of Jesus? What if that was like, what if we all kind of shared like the same vision and we said, you know what? I want to encounter God. I just want to go after God, but I want to get other people. And if we're all doing that, and we're all like we're all like kind of like working on the same thing together, and we're accomplishing together, and we see God bless it. That's why when where we have days like today where the house is full, we're all like there's like a buzz in the room. Why? Because we're all coming together to worship God. We're all coming together to grow together, and that does something for our spirit, and it makes us want to be unified all the more, accomplishing together. So today I've got something that I think that we can accomplish together, guys. I got I've got some really really, really good news today. It's not the best news. The gospel is the best news, but it's really good news. As of Easter Sunday, we'll be moving into a new location for Overflow Church. See, I got these keys in my pocket for this building that I signed a lease on Friday. Friday. 